And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call from nonsense to God sense, where we take a look at some of the things that goes on in this world. And we look, we take a look at those through the eyes of a biblical perspective. And I always like to start the show with the song. Well, this particular song, He Reigns by the Newsboys, one of my favorite uh, songs that they've done. And joining me is Dan Delzell. He is the author at the Christian Post. He's also a pastor in the state of Nebraska. If you've never been, I encourage you to go, and especially during football season when Big Red is playing in Lincoln. Dan, welcome back to the show. Well, it's good good to be back, Son. Uh, they might want to give it a few years. Uh, you know, Scott Frost is probably going to get the team turned around, but uh, it may be a little uh, bit of a process. So, uh, But, yeah, they they would enjoy a game in Lincoln any time, I'm sure. Yeah, especially the atmosphere that they have out there. It's pretty crazy. It's the only – well – I guess it's the only major sport, really think about it, because there's no professional baseball, no professional football. It's like big red football is it. Yeah. Well, that that's it, Son. And, uh, you know, for the past couple decades, though, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot to uh, to cheer about, you know, for, uh, for Husker football fans. So, uh, uh, you know, that's made it a uh, bit of a bummer for uh, the big-time fans. But, hey, you know, uh, you know, life goes on. It does. And uh, there are other things that uh, – are a little bit more prudent, a little bit more important in life than football. The football is important, and it's okay to uh, be a big football sure. fan. But one of the yeah. things that's you know that's kind of going on in this world is you've got this progressive culture, and you've got the the church trying to exist in this progressive culture, and you've got biblical teachings. Like I said, we like to take a look at uh, the things of this world through a biblical perspective on our conversations. And so how do we, I guess the topic is kind of like, how do we maintain bi- uh, biblical teachings on things like fornication, adultery, homosexual behavior, and a progressive culture? And so that's one of the things that we're going to kind of kind of touch on here is just the church in a progressive culture. What do we do, especially when it comes to that big three-letter taboo word, sex? Mm. Yeah, you know, that is such a, a critical topic, obviously, Son, and, and it's one that um, we see everywhere today. It's uh, plastered, uh, you know, on every, every billboard, it seems, and, uh, you know, all across the Internet, all across the media. And of course, uh, you know most of the messages that seem to be sent uh, in, uh, in in many of those areas uh, seem to promote uh, sexuality that would you know pretty much just go with the flow, go with your feelings. Um, you know, there certainly is not much of a sense uh, in the culture that sex outside of marriage is uh, is wrong. Uh, you know, now with adultery, there is more of a sense, interestingly, in the culture. That uh, you know that, that that is something that's not looked upon as favorably by a higher percentage of people, and then of course homosexual behavior. You know the third of the three there that you mentioned. That one, uh, of course, the culture has its own um, perspective on. And so, like you say, then you know as Christians, um, we find ourselves in the middle of this progressive culture and in the middle of all of these teachings, uh, many of which are contrary to. Uh, to God's uh, design for sexuality, uh, which is uh, for sex to be enjoyed and and uh, and and something that happens within the confines of marriage between uh, a husband and a wife, and and with God's design, it was God's invention. Um, you know, God came up with it in the first place, and I'm sure one of the things we'll talk about today is just you know you know how did things go so far off the rails, and how are we to understand the different sexual desires that, you know, that we all experience, 
Um, and how are we to respond? How are we to make decisions in the midst of this progressive culture where, you know, we, we, we find ourselves many times being influenced by the culture, uh, but then we go to God's Word. And, you know, I know there are certain issues in the Bible, uh, you know, that people would say, and rightly so, you know, it's not really black and white. Uh, well, there are some issues, you know, in life like that, of course. There are gray areas. But, but those three that you mentioned um, in, in Scripture, you know, are very clear. You know, when the Bible says, keep the marriage bed pure, you know, uh, that, that right there, you know, really addresses all three, uh, you know, fornication, adultery, and homosexual behavior. And, uh, and so, yes, it's, it's a very important to- topic to talk about, and I think it's one that we need to talk about uh, and have a healthy, uh, biblical, positive discussion about, especially so that we can teach young people what God's plan is, and, uh, and, and whether it be somebody who has already stepped over God's boundary line or not, um, this really is a topic that we need to address from a perspective of, you know, God's limits, God's boundaries, certainly the forgiveness that God offers to those who find themselves uh, having transgressed, you know, some of these boundaries. But then what hope is there? What, um, what is the future for someone who, who wants to live within God's plan? And it's really an exciting, uh, it, really an exciting vision, uh, an exciting plan that God has. And so, yeah, I'm really glad, uh, you know, we're going to have this opportunity to talk about this topic uh, on today, Bob. You wrote an article in the Christian Post, Look Where the Soul Goes During Sex. And one of the, uh, the I guess, lines that you quote, or one of the things that you wrote, which I think is goes beyond even this just this topic. It's something for us to think about in anything we do. You write, your soul is immortal and it will never cease to exist no matter what we do with our body. The fact that our soul soul is immortal and will never cease to exist no matter what we do. Just to stop there. You know, that's pretty, I don't even know if some people can comprehend that fact. The things that we do here, Dan, how do they affect us in the afterlife? I mean, okay, we, we know that, you know, the Bible says that, you know, there's only one way to heaven through Jesus. He died on the cross, mm-hmm. saved us from our sins. We believe it's by grace we are saved through faith. Okay. So, yeah. you know, the people that have been through church and Sunday school, we know, we know that. But yet we sometimes forget that there's other aspects of life that we go through that will may they may also affect us in the afterlife. Um, so when you write that, I know it was specifically towards this topic of sex, but just kind of in general, maybe some of the other things that go on. What what do things here on this earth, how do they affect us in the afterlife? Well, you know, as we, as we open up the Bible, Son, we, we come to learn that um, what a person does with Jesus ultimately will determine where he or she spends eternity. Now, uh, you know, this is just a mind-blowing topic. Uh, you know, the biblical teaching on heaven and hell really just scratches, scratches the, the, the surface of these two places. What I mean by that is, you know, we, we don't have uh, YouTube videos from the Lord, uh, you know, uh, giving us that sort of an uh, uh, image of, of heaven or of hell, but we do have God's Word. Uh, we do have um, God's very clear message. I mean, Jesus, it's been said, spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. Um, not that the Lord enjoys seeing anyone go to hell. In fact, the Bible says God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the reason, of course, Jesus did that is because heaven and hell are real places. And there are only two uh, destinations in eternity, uh, and both of these destinations are extreme 
Uh, heaven is, you know, a million times better than we can imagine. Hell is a million times worse. And, you know, one of the, the things that I would think a person could, could stop and think about, Son, is, you know, who could have come up with this? Who would have come up with this? Um, I mean, you know, this is not something that man would have ever uh, come up with, nor did he. This message comes to us from the Lord, um, this message of eternity. You know, we get glimpses of it, Son, in the Old Testament, but just glimpses. You know, I think of the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, where we're told, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And so that's one of the few places in the Old Testament that deals with matters of eternity. And no wonder, Son, so many Jewish people today, um, you know, it, it just seems like really don't seem to think in terms of eternity. So many Jewish people, unless, of course, you're a Messianic Jew, a, a, a Jewish person who has accepted Jesus as the Messiah, and, and now uh, you've been saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven um, through faith in Jesus, the way any person is, Jew or Gentile. But unless you're, you're someone who's come to know the Lord, even today you find most Jewish people, and not just Jewish people, but many others, they really don't think about eternity. And so, San, it, it's really outside of our wheelhouse. It's really above our pay grade. It, it's really not something that we maybe naturally would, would turn to. However, I will say this. The Bible does say that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And so I suspect what happens more often than not is that a person deep down has some sense that he or she um, is going to exist well beyond this life, but I think that tends to get suppressed by our mind when we have no idea what that might involve, when there might be some fear related to it. I mean, we're all afraid of the unknown, but, but then when you hear about, you know, a place like hell, um, and unless you have, a, uh, you know, unless you have the, the knowledge of how to get to heaven, which the Bible gives us, you know, the Bible makes a person wise for salvation. Unless you have that, though, in your heart, unless you've heard the message of the gospel and believed it, um, I mean, who wouldn't try to maybe suppress that? So it, I, I'm just, it's just really great, Son, that you're, you're raising that question. Uh, as, we're, as we're thinking today also about the whole issue of sexuality, um, really that bigger issue, though, is the one of the immortal soul that you mentioned, and, and it is uh, definitely worth talking about. You know, you also write in the article that the joy, the fellowship, the ecstasy. I like the fact that you use the word ecstasy because usually ecstasy is like the you know the the most ex, uh, the highest form of of a, an emotional feeling that you can get. And so you write the the joy, the fellowship, the ecstasy, and the praise of heaven will far exceed any sexual experience on earth. And so yeah. when we try to compare, it's hard in our human flesh to compare that because we don't know what that's going to be like, but yet it's like that hope of glory is still there. And we just have to have faith that that is going to be what it is and not just rely on our, on our own uh, fleshly desires then, is it? Well, that that's very true, Son. And, and so we live by faith and not by sight. We place our trust in the Creator, uh, not only that uh, our Heavenly Father sent His only Son to die on the cross for our sins, uh, not only that he gives us and has given us the free gift of eternal life through faith, but also that paradise, which if you remember, you know, Jesus told the thief on the cross, uh, one of the two who said, you know, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. It, it takes faith to believe, Son, that paradise will blow our minds, 
that it won't be boring, that it will be off the charts in, in terms of the ecstasy, in terms of the praise, in terms of everything that we could even ever hope for and, and things we've never even imagined. But, but that's exactly what the Bible says. And, and so uh, what, a, what a glorious, eternal future we will have. Uh, there won't be one of us in heaven who would ever want to leave. Uh, there won't be one of us in heaven who ever gets bored, uh, who ever uh, has any sort of, of painful, hurtful, sinful, um, you know, experience of any kind. Uh, I mean, it will be perfect in every way. We'll have a new body, and that uh, along with our immortal soul. And and so it's just going to be such a glorious experience. And and no wonder the devil has worked so hard to blind the minds of people from Jesus, the Messiah, to blind the minds of people from repenting of their sin and trusting in Christ as Lord. And, and, and so one of the blessings of, of talking about this, this issue that we're addressing today of sexuality is it's an opportunity for a person to start to wrap their mind and their body around God's message, God's design for sexuality, because it's really a picture, then, of just what it means to have a relationship with God, to put everything in life below our desire to serve Him. Every desire, every aspiration, every dream. You know, we hear in society a lot, you know, you need to live your dream. You know, the culture would say there is no higher fulfillment than living for your greatest dream. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we were created to live for the glory of God, and the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And, and, and what that is saying, Son, is that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, our desires begin to come in line with God's plan for us on, on this earth uh, across the board. And, and so there is no greater joy or satisfaction than experiencing that. We all fall short, of course, even after we become believers, we fall short every day. But the grace of God is, is covering us, the, the love of God is motivating us and compelling us to share this message with other some, because, um, you know, I, I, I think it was, uh, you know, the, the famous evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, who just recently went home to heaven, and, and millions of people, you know, came to know the Lord through the ministry of that uh, evangelist. And, uh, you know, and he's, he would often talk about, you know, wanting to just see a, a bigger heaven, you know, in other words, more people in heaven and fewer people in hell, and that, that, that really compelled him because Reinhard Bonnke knew, son, that when you cross over to the other side, okay, there are only two places to go. For the believer in Jesus, you immediately enter heaven. For the unbeliever, you immediately enter hell. And the only reason we know this, son, is because God has chosen to tell us this is the case in his word. And, and so it is the message of eternity that everyone needs to hear and needs to be confronted with, because we're all going to face it one day. Um, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says, and only those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, only those who are forgiven of their sins through faith in Jesus, only those who've had their sins washed by the blood, including all sexual sin or any sin in a person's life, God's blood covers it all. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so when we talk about something like sexuality, we're not talking about the most important, you know, biblical doctrine at all. Uh, you know, that would be the gospel. That would be the good news. But it is nevertheless very important because Satan has used this one issue to turn so many hearts, so many lives, so many bodies away from God's design to the point where people get ensnared in this thing, and it just trips them up. And, and many have even lost their soul 
in the pursuit of higher and higher sexual fulfillment, not realizing their creator had a much better plan for their life and for their eternity. When we take a look at society over the years, you think back to the 50s. I wasn't around then. But you think about, like, you know, the, the leave it to beaver. And you think about um, how that time and era was, you know, depicted through television, you know, wholesome, clean cut. And then you get to the 60s and you have the free love. And then the 70s, you know, with the hippies. And then the 80s, it was, you know, a free for all and everything that we do. Um, but you look at the church, too. And I remember growing up. And there'd be these issues that would come out and the church would try to push back on some things and Christians would try to push back on some things. But then in the end, it seemed like pop culture would win out and and things that were at, at originally not OK for the church and not OK for Christians when that was now OK because we kept moving the line, so to speak, in the sand. Do you think that the when it comes to you know sex, sexuality, and things like that, do you think that the church has done a good job in general with trying to push back? Or do you think we've kind of caved a little bit and given up and lost ground in this area? Well, there's no doubt, Son, that our culture, that our society, that our community, that America has lost tremendous ground uh, in this area, that, that, that Satan has uh, moved the ball far down the field in this area, uh, really to just the, the detriment of so many souls. You know, it's like dominoes that have fallen, Son. You mentioned, like, Leave it to Beaver, and, and you know, I, I was born in the, in the mid-60s, uh, and if, if you think about, you know, the sexual revolution, you know, of the 60s, what really was going on is, is that uh, people were being told that, that these boundaries that have been in place for millennia, um, that, that they really don't apply to us because we are progressive. We are more enlightened. Now, granted, there have been many cultures, you know, over the centuries, uh, you know, Rome and many others, where they have just given given themselves over to all manner of, of, of hedonism and, and, uh, and sexual abandon and, and pleasure and so forth. But in America, um, you know, with, with all of the blessings that came from the Judeo- Christian heritage of our nation. I mean, when you stop and think how many of our, even just our Ivy League schools, for example, were founded by devout Christians for the purpose of advancing the gospel. And and, and then, you know, I wrote an article years ago uh, about uh, Sex Week at Yale, and, and, and how now, you know, these same universities have just been so overtaken by the, the fruit of the sexual revolution of the 60s, is that, you know, not, now the things that they are um, promoting and, and doing on campus that fit right in line with sexual morality are just, you know, they're un, unimaginable, or at least they would have been, you know, decades ago. Uh, but, but the first uh, domino really to fall was that, that domino of, uh, of, of fornication, um, that, that domino that, you know, you should be free just to have sex when you want to have it. And, and so uh, the idea of keeping the marriage bed pure, um, it, it was not uh, held near uh, and dear by as many people once that domino started to fall. And, and you know, I'll tell you, Son, um, you know, a number of years after that, we saw the next domino start to go, and, and, uh, and this is where in the media and, and, and many uh, also in uh, uh, academia, they began to advance this idea that, you know, even though for thousands of years, you know, the Bible and the Church and Christians and others, Jews, you know, have, have um, seen homosexual behavior as outside of God's will, we need to rethink that, you know, we live in a different day, so on and so forth. And so we saw that domino fall. 
And, and so once Pandora's box was opened in the 60s, you know, fornication, uh, you know, yeah, the, we, we could do our own thing. Uh, next, homosexual behavior. And now the, the, the next piece of fruit, it, it, it's not um, a, a sexual uh, sin per se, but it, it's more just such deep gender confusion that now what has been um, born out of that, the next domino is the whole uh, ideology of transgenderism and, and this idea that uh, a child can now uh, choose his or her own uh, uh, gender, um, and, and if he or she is, is somewhat confused, uh, that they can go ahead and choose their own gender. Um, you know, this was just it's constantly in the news, but uh, just in the last week or two, um, the, the basketball star Dwayne Wade, you know, through all of this with, uh, you know, Kobe's funeral and everything, uh, Kobe Bryant's funeral, but Dwayne Wade was in the news because uh, I guess, uh, you know, he and his wife have a 12-year-old child who uh, is deciding to change gender. So that, you know, that's been in the news. But there are so many examples of that. And, and what they're finding with that song is, is that so many of these young people who get swept up in that, in that confusion of their own gender, um, so many of them then live to regret it. Um, you know, they did a study, uh, I believe it was in Sweden, um, but uh, just the, the very, very high suicide rate among those who have um, changed their gender. And we could talk a lot about that topic. That, that's not, you know, dealing with, per se, you know, like... Uh, we're talking about fornication, adultery, homosexual behavior, but it is the fruit. It's this fruit of confusion. It's Pandora's box that's open. It's the next domino to fall. And when you thumb your nose at God on sex, um, what happens then, son, is you, you lose all bearing, not only on sexuality, but even on something as basic as, as gender, uh, to the point where now smart people don't even rely upon biology. They, they don't even rely upon on genetics. They rely upon a child's feelings or a teenager's feelings to say, oh, I guess he or she must be the opposite gender. That's how far you go, son, when you thumb your nose at God's design and say, hey, we know better, we can do better. And I think, too, one of the things that we don't do, or maybe I should put it this way, one of the things we do do is we look at uh, the sexual experience from a physical perspective, what it does to our body, how it makes us feel good, like you mentioned, you know, I'm this gender or that gender, or I get uh, sexual gratification from being with this person and doing these acts over these people. But I guess the bigger picture, really, when it comes down to it, is our soul, because that is the most important thing. When we are saved as Christians, our soul is saved. Our body is going to die, and we're going to yeah. get new bodies, but our soul is the thing that is saved. And so when we look at this uh, topic, I think it's uh, important to look at it through the perspective of the soul, because as you write in the article, uh, Look Where the Soul Goes, uh, goes During Sex, uh, when man in essence attempts to lower God's bar and ignore God's commandment, his soul suffers even more than his body. So I think the fact that in these conversations, especially like the one today, the soul is the thing that really affects us. And what I mean by that is um, you look at um, Ron Jeremy, for example. He's a, a you know famous porn star, adult film actor. And I remember I saw him one time in person and he looked literally like the Grim Reaper was knocking on his door. He looked soulless. His eyes were blank. Um, I'm sure he's experienced a lot. And it just looked like he just had no desire to live. And his soul was depleted. And then there's some other people that I've talked to, especially when, uh, you know, in, in uh, a show that I've worked on in the past, where we had some of these former adult uh, 
uh, film actresses come in and tell their stories. And they just talk about like this this hopeless feeling, this I just want to die feeling, this emptiness. And, the, yeah. and they're the most beautiful women that you can see because obviously you have to be beautiful to be in this environment. But it was their insides were just empty and cavernous. And it was like their soul was dead. And I think we missed that. So we put in our perspective, just the regular, you know, uh, I work on a college campus and you think of all the people on college campus and maybe the young people that might be engaging in, in sexual uh, activities. At some point, the soul begins to wither and die and we become empty and there's nothing to live for because the, the physical body might be gratified, but the soul is dying on the inside when we engage in this behavior. Well, that, that is uh, so, so correct there, Son. You know, um, God's design is there to bring um, fulfillment to us physically and spiritually. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about uh, a gospel rap song that we put together, a buddy and I put together 31 years ago. Um, we we uh, produced a rap called God Made Sex. Here, I got a little and, bit. I got uh, a little bit if you want to. Uh, let's play a little bit of it. I got it queued up right here. And oh, hey, go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's hear a little yeah, bit of it. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. Sex with anybody, any day or night. They say sex is okay as long as it feels right. Well, I'm here to rap to set the record straight. Sex was not created for the Friday night date. It's a beautiful gift given to woman and man. Sex is part of God's loving plan. God. God. God made sex. God made sex. God made sex. God made sex. And I like the fact in there that you put, you know, it wasn't made for the Friday night date, you yeah. know, the, the master plan. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's right there. It's, it's poignant, like you said, you know, it's God's master plan. Well, exactly, Son. In fact, if anybody wanted to hear the whole song, they could just Google uh, God Made Sex. If you want to uh, type in uh, Firefighters is the name of our uh, rap group. that we, uh, you know, My buddy and I did this, and I wrote the words and did the rapping. My buddy uh, David Wells did the, the beats and the music. But um, we, we produced a couple albums, and um, you know, it was interesting, Son, because the Lord was leading me back, and this is kind of going off to another topic just for a moment. But um, back in those days, I was working in some urban uh, communities, and working with some inner city uh, kids, and really wanted to reach them with God's message. And one of the messages, uh, you know, on there, of course, was the God made sex. So that was the theme we wanted to get across. And so, um, I, you know, I would walk through communities and hand out, you know, literally thousands of these cassettes. Uh, the cassette was called a "Committed." That was our the, the second song on our on our album. But anyway. Um, and, and I, I think we, we distributed about 90,000 of those, most of those given away, uh, free of charge in many, many communities. Um, during my third year of, uh, at seminary, uh, I went to a seminary in St. Louis and, uh, during my third year, um, I, uh, went out to about a hundred, uh, really my third and fourth year, I should say my third year, I was working in Los Angeles, uh, which is where we produced that album, uh, there in Los Angeles. And then, uh, really during my fourth year, I guess it was. Uh, on many weekends, I went out and, and uh, went to about 100 Christian schools and, and shared that. But anyway, uh, it's interesting, son, how then God will plant the seed. Um, a year or two ago, I was listening to a video by the hip-hop artist Flame, who I guess was in the news recently because I guess, uh, you know, I guess he sued Katy Perry for using some of his lyrics or whatever. Well, anyway, um, Flame is a, is a you know, Christian artist from St. Louis. 
and he was being interviewed before a concert, and he, he was talking he was talking about how, you know, yeah, when he was like seven or eight, there was this white dude going through the community handing out tapes, you know, and uh, he referenced one of the songs, God Made Sex, you know, of all the songs that he would reference, but how that was one of the early influences in his life. Now, I share all that song just to say, we have to reach our youth with the gospel, we have to reach our youth with the message of sexuality, and when we do, they can actually become uh, instruments in God's hands then that um, to take the message and, and, and share it, you know, with, with, uh, with, with many others. So that was just kind of uh, a ministry that, you know, that I had the privilege to be a part of, you know, years ago, um, this gospel rap ministry uh, through the rap group Firefighters. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking, Son, about what Scripture has to say on, on, you know, God's plan for His children. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee from all sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And, and, and so, you know, people will, will sometimes wonder, well, you know, are all sins the same? And, and I guess we could answer that, well, yes and no. You know, in, in one sense, you know, any sin could keep us outside of the, the kingdom of God. You know, uh, only the blood of Jesus can forgive sin. But, but in another sense, you know, as this, as this passage says, you do sin against your body, when you commit sexual sin. And this is why, you know, whether it be fornication, adultery, homosexual behavior, why these are so detrimental, these examples you gave, Son, of those people in the adult film industry, and just, you know, just just the emptiness and the deadness in, in through their eyes and in their soul, because there is no life outside of Christ and outside of His plan for our bodies and our souls. In fact, the very next verses there in First Corinthians, Son, say, Say this to believers, uh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. And and so one of the things that, you know, we can address here uh, yet today at some point is just where are the three places that the soul goes during sex? And that's what led me to write that article, and this passage here, it really points out that we don't belong to ourselves. Um, there's a reason why the Bible says keep the marriage bed pure. We have been bought with a price. Every believer has been bought with the blood of Jesus. And so um, there is such a positive uh, message in God's design and God's plan, but we have to understand it. We have to communicate that to young people, and we have to remind ourselves of it, because this is what God wants. He wants the best for us. Yeah, one of the things, too, that I find interesting with people is that they will put degrees on sin. For example, a little little white lie is okay, but uh, if we kill somebody, that's bad. Um, it's the same way when it comes to, to sex. It's like, okay, maybe homosexual sex, you know, that's bad, and so, you know, you're doomed to all eternity in hell. But yet, you know, uh, if I have heterosexual sex, then it's not as bad. And I think that's, uh, well, I know that's a myth, but I think that's a stumbling yeah. block for a lot of people to yeah. kind of put those, um, you know, degrees of sin and seriousness of sin on it because it's all the same and it doesn't matter what it is that you're engaged in. It's just as equally wrong if it's outside of God's plan. And, um, and so yeah. if there is somebody, and I, and I know you mentioned the, the places we go when we, when we yeah. engage in sex, and I'd like to get to that, but before we do, um, yeah. Yeah. if there's somebody who is struggling and it's a, it's a temptation. It's hard to come by. Um, it's something that is hard for them to do. 
to overcome this. You know, maybe they have uh, homosexual tendencies and they're like, you know, I, I really like guys and it's this thing. Or yeah. maybe, you know, I'm really attracted to this woman at work or maybe I'm attracted to a coworker. Well, I guess it's the same thing <laughs> or whatever the case may be. You're attracted to somebody else and you're and you, you know, and you give into the temptation, but you want to overcome this because yeah. it's a lifestyle that you're trying to you know, overcome. Um, it's like if you're, a, I guess, a um, an alcoholic, you don't go to the bar. But right. if you, you know, someone who is attracted to women and you work with them, unless I guess, you know, we're getting gender confused, but 50% of sure. the people are women, 50% are men, or there's somewhere in between, I guess, for others. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how do we battle that? Because uh, is there anything practical that we can do? Because we can't just go live in a, in a cave no. or something like that. We can't escape other people. No, no. You know, you know, that, that's exactly right, son. Um, you know, I, I, I think, um, it, it, it's, it's, Similar to something I remember uh, years ago, I was counseling uh, a young man who had battled a cocaine addiction uh, in his life, and he said to me, he said, you know, for me, that desire to get the cocaine, he said, the only way I can really compare it to something is, imagine being underwater and just needing to get uh, oxygen, needing to get a breath. And that really kind of blew me away because I'd never thought of it in terms of that extreme desire but but whether it be you know you mentioned alcohol whether it be alcohol drugs or some sexual desire what we have to understand son is that you know everybody is at a different place of desire now um god can help to change our desires and and what satan wants to do is get us so filled with sinful desires now now you know um sex is good god created sex for marriage but what our sin has done is it has um, twisted it so that we begin to desire, you know, sex outside of marriage. Or, like you mentioned, you know, if a person has the same-sex attraction, um, that, 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 you know, those are equally, um, you know, sinful uh, actions to give in on. Now, it's not a sin to be tempted. Um, you know, it, you know I, I wrote an article years ago, Son, it was entitled, Is It a Sin to Be Gay? In fact, a person could look that up. Uh, at the Christian Post, is it a sin to be gay? And just type my name in there with it, Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L. And basically, um, you know, uh, I answer the question that, you know, I answered this way. I said, hey, nobody wakes up one day and chooses to have gay feelings. Um, and so wherever a person finds himself or herself, okay, the question is, am I going to um, submit my desires to the Lordship of Jesus? And the only way that's going to happen is I'm going to have to meet him. I'm going to have to really love him, and I'm going to have to have God's help in, in filling me with a greater desire than these other desires. I think one of the reasons, Son, that so many people have resisted this idea that, well, you know, you got these Christians trying to, um, you know, change, you know, gay people, and then, you know, people have tried, they've tried to pray the gayness out of them or this or that. Okay, here's, here's what really works, Son, whatever a person. Uh, sexual proclivities might be, you know, whether it is just, you know, a desire for fornication, a desire for adultery, or a desire for homosexual behavior. Whichever one of those desires or multiple of those a person might be experiencing doesn't make them a bigger sinner than someone else. But the only way we're going to get victory is to take every thought captive. And and the one thing I told this this young man who was battling the cocaine addiction, I said, hey, I said, hey, um, what if, what if we do this? Every time something triggers you so that you go from like a zero to a one 
on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being just a full-blown relapse, a 1 being now something has started to trigger um, your thought for, you know, getting cocaine again. Uh, because, because I said, what if when you get to a 1, I said, what if you were to text me? Just shoot me a text, the number 1. And I'll begin praying for you right away. Um, I'll know that you're battling this, but it's a way for you to be accountable. Because here's what happens, son, with every single one of us, okay? Every single one of us, whatever a person's uh, temptation, especially the greatest temptation is, be it in the area of sex or any other area of this, um, whatever triggers that thing, okay, it's, it's not going to stay at a one. We're either going to pray it back or think it back down to a zero, and it's a lot easier to go from a one to a zero than it is as, the, as we go up the scale. Or... We're going to let that thought go around in our mind. You know, uh, before this interview, and I was thinking about like David and, and Bathsheba. And I was looking here in Second uh, Samuel, where one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Well, I'll tell you, son, that was a one for David. Now, it says the woman was very beautiful. So by spending maybe 10, 15 seconds looking at her, he quickly is up to, let's say, about a three, okay? Uh, David sent someone to find out about her. Well, now he's at about a four or a five, okay? The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So this was God's way, as he often gives us on. He was offering David an out here, saying, David, I know you're getting excited. You know, I know you're getting revved up here, but time out, okay? This is not going in the right direction, okay? Um you, 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 need to, you need to step out of this thing because it's not going to go anywhere good. But see, David was already at a five. And so then we're told in verse 4 of Second Samuel 11, then David sent messengers to get her. Oh, my goodness. I mean, by, by the time, son, we get to a five, okay, most of us are not going to get back to zero until we have a full-blown relapse, whether it be with drugs, sex, a grudge, jealousy, gossip, um, whatever the sin is. And that's why... The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Because, see, son, the goal for Christian living is to go on to stay there at a zero. You know, kind of like sitting in the living room of your home with Jesus, just talking to Jesus, you know, enjoying his company, enjoying being a Christian, enjoying living for Christ. But we get distracted, son, by what's in the basement. And what's in the basement of our soul is called the sinful nature. We all have it. Even the Apostle Paul had it. Had it. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. Okay? So even as Christians, we're sitting there on the living room sofa, and we get tempted to go downstairs. I mean, Jesus is there on the couch, okay? But that doesn't seem to be enough for us, you know? No, we, we, David started to get drawn away from God. And it's exactly what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, um, you know, the, the wonderful Christian. He was a, a Lutheran minister in Germany who um, helped to, to rescue uh, Jews there from the Nazis. But anyway... Um, Bonhoeffer had this quote one time where he said, you know, when we're tempted to sin against God, it's not like we as Christians just say, well, you know, God doesn't exist, okay? Or, or, or we don't say, hey, you know, I, I hate God or something like this. Instead, we just kind of forget about God, and we do our own thing. And I'll tell you, son, any Christian who's honest would say, man, did he ever nail it, because I've been there way too many times than I would like to admit. I've been there. Uh, I've gone from a zero to a ten. And, and so, son, this is the challenge of Christian living. Um, this is the challenge. But, but, but yes, a person can uh, have victory. It begins by us confessing our sin to God and saying, Lord, you know, I, I had this full-blown relapse, you know, in whatever area it was, whether it's sex or some other area, okay? 
Lord, please forgive me. Please cleanse me with your blood. Lord, please set me free. And then here's what the Lord, I believe, will, will lead a person to do, son. The Lord will be like, okay, I'll set you free, but then how about if we just hang out here on the couch? How about if, if you and I together control your thoughts and take every thought captive, okay? How about if we do that, okay? And that's the challenge of the Christian life, son. And that is where, um, you know, God is leading us to rely upon Him, because these things, son, especially when somebody's given into a sin, as we all have, okay, um, these triggers happen so quickly. A person can go from one to three, four, you know, in a matter sometimes of 30 seconds, okay? And if you don't, uh, it's a lot easier to pray your way back down to a zero from a two or three, because once you get to a five, son, anybody, um, it's not very likely. We saw it even with David, King David, a man after God's own heart. You know, he had this warning. Now, wait a minute. Hey, isn't that, you know, isn't that Bathsheba? You know, I mean, she's married. David was already the five, son. And it's amazing the power of sin to blind our allegiance to Christ momentarily. But I'll tell you, a lot of bad can happen in a moment, can it? And, uh, and so the enemy is very smart. He has seen Christians, you know, fall um, in, into different sins, you know, over the, over the years. And uh, our own sinful nature, it's in the basement. Um, it, it, no, it no longer has control of us. The Bible says in Romans, you've been set free from sin. Uh, and, and so we don't have to give in to that. But I tell you, son, there's not one Christian, I don't care who it is, Billy Graham, I don't care who it is, um, if we let our mind go, if we don't take every thought captive, if we begin to feed the sinful nature and allow something to trigger a sinful desire, and we start to, to, to let it go in our mind to a two or three or four, I don't care who you are, you are going to have a full-blown relapse. doesn't mean God will stop loving you. doesn't mean God won't forgive you. But there will be the, just the, the difficult consequences then, the earthly consequences at least, that come with um, just, you know, kind of thumbing our nose to God, saying, hey, I know better. Um, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to meet this desire that I have, only for us to wake up a little while later and say, boy, that sure didn't work. You mentioned a little bit ago that uh, the soul goes places. I know a lot of times when it comes to this idea of sex, we are in the physical moment, what the body feels like, the pleasure, maybe for some of the pain. I don't know. Depends on what you're into. Um, you know, but it's a physical feeling that we're chasing. Mm-hmm. However, there really is that other component. It's the soul and where the soul goes. And when, it, when you're within God's plan, then the yeah. soul not only is the body, but the soul is fulfilled. When you're outside yeah. of that, the body might be fulfilled, but the soul isn't. And so sometimes I guess no. for people that might be, yeah. let's just say, um, you know, maybe not married, but having sex outside of marriage. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. You might find the mm-hmm. physical fulfillment in the, in the short term, but you might find yourself lacking. Like, I love this guy or this yeah. gal or this person. And sex is great, but why is it lacking? Why is there something not right? Why is it like, am I feeling yeah. void? Or why, why, why isn't what I thought it would be? And then there's other yeah. people that have been married for 50 years and they're still having sex and everybody's grossed out about that. But it's like the most beautiful thing in the world because for them, it's that love, it's that pleasure, it's the coming together. But I think, again, like you wrote, it comes down to where the soul is at, being within God's plan versus being out of that. So where does the soul, we know where the body yeah. goes, but where yes. does the soul go when yes. people are together? Well, I'll tell you, Son, there are only three places uh, I believe the soul can go, and that's what I wrote about. Um, and, and to kind of lead into that, let me just say, I, I thought of this as you were sharing that, that really, you know, the, the greatest sex organ that any person has is their mind, is their mind. 
okay? Uh, because think about it. I mean, people tend to wrap their mind around a particular uh, sexual practice that they want to pursue, whether it be with their, you know, I, I want to have sex with my spouse, or I want to have sex with somebody the same gender, or I want to have sex outside of marriage, or I want to have sex with somebody, you know, who's married to somebody else. So any one of those behaviors that you start to wrap your mind around, um, you might start to be, uh, you know, gravitate toward. Um, just real quickly, I mean, you know, the, the huge, huge increase of young people, um, especially in certain countries today, who now uh, identify as having transgender desires, it, it's like, you know, you know 3,000% higher. I mean, it's all because uh, people are talking about it, they're thinking about it, they're wondering about it. You know, what you fill your mind with, um, it, it, it tends to then want to be uh, acted out in your body. So the three places are, are this, Don. Uh, every human being is both a body and a soul. Now, now Jesus taught the very difficult truth, but it is true, that just as there's a glorious paradise for believers, there is a place of suffering and punishment called hell for unbelievers. God doesn't want people to go there. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, but nevertheless, those who reject Christ, those who die in their sin without the Savior, um, go to hell, sadly and tragically. So if a person is an unbeliever, son, and they're having sex of any kind, uh, I don't care if it's sex in marriage even, okay? If they're having sex of any kind as an unbeliever, the only place you can your, your soul ultimately goes, picture being kind of on like the ridge of a volcano, okay? Um, now, you know, something I say, well, isn't that extreme? Isn't that, you know, um, well... When you read Jesus' descriptions about hell, a place where, uh, you know, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, okay, uh, you know, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, um, the Lord didn't pull any punches, nor did the Lord uh, mislead anyone about hell. He wanted everyone to know how horrible it is. So uh, I, I don't think it's too extreme at all uh, when we think about the scriptural message, which is true, um, that, that if a person's having sex while not being a believer in Jesus, okay, um, you're, in essence, having sex right there on the rim of a volcano. What I mean by that is, let's say you die while you're having sex, okay? Uh, what, what did you gain? You know, I mean, you, you lose your soul for eternity. You, you go to a place of fire, suffering, and pain. So, so ultimately, your whole life is being lived there until you repent, but, but including your sex life. As, as wonderful as that experience may be, um, it's there on the ridge of a volcano. Now, the second place that a person's soul could go is if they're a believer. Um, but they're, they're committing sexual sin. Uh, they're engaging in uh, fornication or adultery or homosexual behavior. Okay, I, I didn't say you have these desires. Okay, I didn't say that, you know, if you, if you have the desire to commit fornication, adultery, or homosexual behavior, but if you're, if you're acting on those, okay, and you're engaging in those, that would be sexual immorality. Um, then the second place the soul can go is picture... Um, Picture being in a church sanctuary right up in the front, kind of where the, where the message is given, okay? That's the second place the soul can go. You're right there. You're right there in the church sanctuary. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you're in church 24-7 if you're a believer. You're always in church, okay? Um, you say, well, I go to a worship service on Sunday morning, and that's wonderful. You know, God wants Christians in, in churches where the Bible is taught faithfully and, and the gospel is shared and people are generous with one another, gracious with one another, loving, not judgmental, and so on and so forth, caring toward one another. But, but if you commit sexual sin as a believer, 
um, you are committing it in church, okay? You're committing it, I mean, because the Lord is right there. The body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Picture a bed up there in the front of the, of the church, wherever, whatever church you go to or have been at, um, that's where you're having sex as a believer, right there, okay? In, in what you might perceive to be kind of a holy place, when really God says, wait a minute, your body is now the temple. Your body is the holy place, okay? Um, that's even holier, you know, uh, than, than even as holy as it is to gather together with other Christians. That's beautiful, but your body is a temple. So the second place is in church. You can either have sex on the volcano as an unbeliever, you can have sex in church, uh, meaning sexual morality. Or the only other place is, is uh, for a believer when the Bible says keep the marriage bed pure, and that is God's design that we have sex in marriage between a man and a woman. And, and, and that's not sinful. Uh, that, is, that is God's design. That is God's plan. That is, that is holy. That is what God wants to bring. Um, and that brings the fulfillment. It's the opposite sign of like when you mentioned those adult uh, film stars and so forth. Um, you know, the emptiness, um, just the deadness in their eyes, in their soul, because it doesn't fulfill. Um, you know, Satan only offers a counterfeit. Satan only can drive your flesh and get your engines revved up, you know, to, um, you know, the, these very high points of, of excitement, but it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't fulfill the believer who's, who's having sex in church. It doesn't fulfill the unbeliever who's having sex on the rim of a volcano. And, and, uh, and God says, hey, keep the marriage bed pure. And so whichever way you go, son, it's going to be difficult. I mean, people are going to face challenges. You know, there's this idea that, well, I just want my sex life to just come easy, and I just want everything to be easy. And I don't want, well, no, any one of those. I mean, by, by far the worst is, is, is to be on the rim of the volcano. That's the worst. But I'll tell you, um, to be having sex in church is not a good place to be. Uh, and, and the Lord says, hey, let, let, let's, let's cut that out right now. Let's stop the fornication, the adultery, or the homosexual behavior. God's not going to hold that sin against you, my friend, if you're a believer. Um, well, and if you're an unbeliever, he won't hold any of your sins against you if you'll repent today. And, and give your life to Christ, including your body. Because the Bible says that um, as we offer our bodies to God, that's a spiritual act of worship. In Romans it says that. That's interesting, isn't it, Son? A spiritual act, how we use our bodies. Why? Because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is why Christians have rightly been very concerned with the falling of the dominoes in our culture. Not because Christians are better than others, and, you know, wow, you know, we don't sin, and other people do. No. Because God has shown um, anyone who's willing to look at it in his word that God made sex, and he made it beautiful, and he made it for marriage, and Satan has worked very, very hard to corrupt minds. And once minds are corrupted, it doesn't take long before the body gets corrupted. You know, remember Adam and Eve, son, I mean, um, the first thing Satan came to do was corrupt their, their mind, uh, you know, began lying to, to, uh, to Eve. Well, did God really say, and you know... God, you know, didn't God just, wasn't he afraid you're going to, you know, start to, you know, get a little too smart, you know, be more like him? Uh, and, then, and then look at how beautiful this is, and, and what they saw it was so beautiful to the eyes, and so their mind was deceived, their eyes then were, they, it, it, it fell for it, and, and then it wasn't long and their bodies engaged in it, they ate of the fruit. And that's often the progression, you know, the mind and the eyes, and then the body engages in it. And so if David would have stopped there on the roof of the palace song, if he were to stop and say, yes, she's a beautiful woman. Yes, I can imagine myself being with her. Yes, it would bring great pleasure to my flesh. If he were to stop and say, but wait a minute, will the consequences be worth it? You know, how can I do this after all God has done for me? You know, but he wasn't doing that because when we're caught up, when we're at a four or a five sign, we're not thinking that. When we're at a zero, we're thinking, Lord, 
please keep me from getting to a one or a two, because, Lord, my flesh is weak, okay? It's that way for all of us, okay? Our flesh is weak. But that's the challenge, son. I want to just say to anybody listening today, please don't be um, so overwhelmed with guilt, okay, that you think that somehow God can't forgive you or won't forgive you or can't set you free or won't set you free. Um, and even if today, if you say, hey, I'm so filled with just a desire for sexual morality, um, why do you think David in Psalm 51 said, create in me a clean heart, O God? Because sometimes, son, you know, um, we, we get to a point where we realize, you know, I need God to come in and just do something entirely new. God, don't, don't take what I've got and improve it. it. That all needs to go. Come in and create a clean heart. And, and the beauty of God's grace, son, is that he'll do it. He'll give us a new heart. He'll not only forgive our sins. He'll not only wash it away. He'll not only never bring it up to us again. Okay? He will, he will give us a new heart with a new desires, put us back at zero there, where it's like, wow, man, okay, now I'm going to live for the Lord. He's not going to hold my past against me. I'm free to live for Jesus. And I tell you, my friend, that may or may not mean you having sex while you're here on earth. It depends if you get married or not, okay? And, and, and if that isn't part of God's plan for your life, just look at it this way. You have an opportunity to love God with your body in a way that might, might be great, a greater sacrifice than it would be for some other people. But my goodness, you know, um, God will take care of you. He will reward your faithfulness. Um, and and uh, he'll, he'll be able to lift you up, my friend, far higher than you could ever get by feeding the desires of the sinful nature, because they're deceptive, Satan is a liar, and sexual sin destroys the body, the mind, the soul. It is a killer, and, and God loves you, and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, the Lord has come to save you, uh, body and spirit. You know, I like to uh, refer to this podcast unofficially, um, you know, from nonsense to God sense, taking a look at the things of this world through a biblical perspective. And this is one of the areas I think that if we look at it through a biblical perspective, the word ecstasy comes to mind like you wrote. It takes it to another level. It's hard to do that in this uh, day and age, especially with the inundation of social media, television, everything else that we see. Um, it's hard to do that because we're in such an instant gratification. You know, we want it now. But when we look at it through the biblical lens, and through biblical perspective, sex and the sexual experience becomes ecstasy when it's done God's way. And I think that's something that we need to start looking at is that instead of looking at it through a physical perspective, maybe start yeah. looking at it through a soul perspective. And I don't know, maybe that might change our, our view on things and might change the way that we look and not to use the word over and over and over again, but it might change our perspective on how sex is and how it should be done. Um, but I know it's not easy. It's not, you know, it's one of those things easier said than done. And it's yeah, a battle yeah. that we're going to fight each and every day. But I guess we just have to rely on God to, and his leanings and hopefully never get to a four or five. Cause it sounds like we're in trouble if we get that far. Well, you, you, you bet son. And, and we've all been there on, on various issues in life. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how, you know, later this year, my wife and I, Tammy and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. But I've often told people how um, I remember specifically praying for seven years um, that the Lord would just, um, you know, uh, bring me together with a, a wonderful Christian wife. And so um, those years of prayer, those years of waiting, um, you know, there may be somebody listening right now, son, and, and they're in that time where they're, they're waiting upon God. Or maybe they're in a time where maybe they were married and, you know, now, now they're not and, and they're like kind of starting over in that process or wherever it is. Or, or maybe somebody's listening and they're like, uh, 
you know, feeling like, man, you know, I've, I've really gone, I've had a full-blown relapse in, in this area of sex multiple times, okay? Well, wherever a person finds himself or herself today, Son, um, you know, God can meet you and will meet you where you're at. Um, what he asks for is just your full surrender, um, your, your confession of your sin, um, your repentance, this change of mind that says, you know, Lord, I'm not going to believe the culture which says, you know, the highest goal is my own sexual fulfillment. Um, the highest goal is me to take whatever sexual desires I perceive, to think I need, and make that the, the supreme. If you, my friend, will, will remove that from the throne of your heart and, and say, God, I can't begin to understand the sexual desires that I have or the sexual feelings that I have or where they come from, okay? But, but your word is objective, and your word tells me to keep the marriage bed pure. And your word tells me that fornication and adultery and homosexual behavior are not your will for me. And your word says you love me, no matter which of those desires I may have, you love me equally, okay? One isn't a bigger sin than the other. But my friend, if you will just meet God with that attitude that says, I am not going to place sexual fulfillment um, above my allegiance to Christ, because I might be confused, I might be deceived. I may have this desire that I assume is some noble, holy thing, and, and it's not. And that's what happens, Son, when, when we get into a dark place. Um, it, we, we rationalize, and, 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 and then when you have people in the culture, and sometimes even people in the church, and, and this is what's happened, in, especially in re- recent decades in America, you'll have church people um, making excuses for why um, either fornication, adultery, or homosexual behavior um, really aren't that bad, maybe even are a decent thing to do, okay? Um, we have to go back to God's Word. We have to just um, humble ourselves before the Lord, um, submit our bodies to Him, say, Lord, forgive me, and then, and then, and then hang out with, with other Christians uh, who love the Lord and love the Word and aren't judgmental and will meet us and, and accept us, and, and maybe even somebody saw that, that we could, like, have that relationship with, like I explained with that friend of mine uh, I was ministering to, um, that guy I met. I actually met him through um, the jail ministry that I was doing at the time here in our community. And um, it, maybe we just need to text somebody when, when we get a one or a two, you know, when, when we start to we get triggered into our, into our uh, area of weakness. Just text, just say, hey, friend, uh, can I text you a one or a two when I'm there? Because I want somebody to know about it. I don't want to just play this secret game I keep playing. I don't want to just keep giving into it and then have people find out later or not find out, but I know and you know God I had a full-blown relapse. Uh, my friend, I don't know any other way. I don't know. Without accountability, I don't know any other way. Uh, and you might be able to do it just you and God, okay? But but um, perhaps you have someone you can fully trust. But be careful on, on who you choose with that because, um, you know, um, that, that would be ha- you'd have to really have uh, confidence in that person to, to uh, maintain your trust. And so probably... Um, somebody that you've known for for years and and uh, so on and so forth because uh uh you know satan will look for any way he can to um to disrupt a christian's life and just know that god is with you and just the fact that you're listening to this podcast okay that you're listening to sans podcast today think about this why are you listening to this now why did god allow you to do this now why did god bring sans podcast to you into your life right now because he loves you, he's willing to meet you right where you're at. No, he doesn't think you're a bigger sinner than other people, okay? He knows we're all sinful. We all have a basement room in the soul. We all could relapse a thousand times a day without Christ, and we would without Christ, okay? So, so um, let's go forward in Christ, and let's just ask God to help us, and he will. And Dan, as we wrap up, one more time, let's take a listen. 
it's not dirty, it is part of God's plan, a real love connection between woman and man. When the two become one, they are husband and wife. They can share their love and celebrate life in a genuine way. After the wedding, sex without marriage is something you'll be regretting, cause it just doesn't pay. It's so temporary, what started as fun, ended with VD. The relationship breaks, there's lots of crime, while innocent little babies are dying. Abortion and AIDS, guilt and shame. Ain't that true? God's way is best. And we, when we live in his plan and we live his way, that's what's best. Dan Delzell, thanks so much for being with us here today and sharing your thoughts on this. We really appreciate it. And um, again, where can people find you? Well, I tell you, son, uh, they could just go to the Christian Post and uh, they just Googled uh, my name, Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, uh, at the Christian Post. Uh, they could find the various articles that I've written. Um, and, and some on this topic. And, uh, and you know, Son, if we have just a, a brief moment, I would love to just uh, offer a quick prayer for anybody today that just wants to start that step back to wholeness with their sexuality. If we have a moment just to do that. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I'll do that here. Um, my friend, if you'll just maybe uh, in your own heart just, just agree with, uh, with these words here that I'm going to pray, um, and just let, let the Lord minister to you, and I'll just say them in the first person. Um, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for letting me hear this podcast today. Lord, I confess to you that I'm a sinner, and that includes, Lord, uh, sins of the body, O oh Lord. Not only sins of my mind, but sins of my body, and even, Lord, a sexual sin. And so, Lord, um, cleanse me today. I turn away from it. Um, I, I want to keep the marriage bed pure, Lord. I want to surrender my body and soul to you, Lord Jesus. Um, Live in my life today. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Um, be in control. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Deliver me right now from all the ugliness that sexual sin has brought into my life, all the pain, all the heartache. Lord, deliver me from it now. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Wash me, Jesus, in your blood. Grant me supernatural power right now by the Holy Spirit. As, as Son and Dan just agree with me right now in prayer, I agree with you, Lord, and with them. I, I just ask for power right now in this area of my life. Make me strong, O oh Lord, to resist temptation, to resist the devil, to flee from sexual immorality, Lord God, um, to keep the marriage bed pure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness and your salvation. Um, thank you for creating sex. Thank you for paradise. Thank you for salvation in Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Dan Delzell, as always, great to have you on. Great to talk to you. We really appreciate it. And um, look forward to next time. Oh, thank you so much, Son. It's been wonderful today to, uh, to discuss this with you and with all the listeners. And my shameless self-promotion, you can find me on Instagram at EdomRocks. And also you can email me, SonEdom at gmail.com. Dan Delzell, thanks so much. And thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Do tell a friend. Until next time, God bless.